Hey, Marty, I'm just looking over the intro for this week's episode, and something's really different about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. What we're doing with this episode is we're using that new AI tool, ChatGPT, to generate like the introduction, ad reads, some review stuff, and everything like that. Oh, okay. I was just wondering because it's very well written and thought out. It's it's really, really good. Hey! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, the podcast where we talk all things board games and tabletop gaming. We explore the vast and exciting world of board games, from the latest releases to classic favorites and everything in between. We share our thoughts on gameplay mechanics, strategy, and design, and offer our insights on how to get the most out of your gaming experiences. Whether you're a seasoned tabletop veteran or new to the world of board games, we hope to provide you with valuable information and entertaining discussions that will inspire you to take your gaming to the next level. So sit back, relax, and join us as we roll the dice and take the names. Next time, get the AI to read it. <laughs> Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 282, Mr. Roboto, the podcast where we roll the dice and call the names of the best boarding card games on the market. I'm Marty, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony. That's right, Tony here. And we're here to bring you all the latest news, reviews, and interviews in the world of tabletop gaming. Whether you're a seasoned gamer or just starting out, we've got something for everyone from classic strategy games to the latest in card-based games. We're here to help you find your next favorite game. So sit back, grab your favorite dice, and join us as we roll through the world of tabletop gaming on Rolling Dice and Taking Names. <laughs> so that, y'all... <laughs> This is what ChatGPT came up as the intro for this episode. That's not too bad. <laughs> oh, it's it's. You might as well just cut and paste this bad boy for the next ten episodes. <laughs> it's too bad we can't put in there like uh, insert the episode title and number. And, yeah, and then you could just like kind of like what you do with Danny. You probably could. Okay. Well, I was just thinking like how you insert Danny in here and we could yeah. be doing this whole thing and then your Vanessa's voice would come in and do like episode number 283, you know, whatever song. <laughs> well, the like I said, uh, Vanessa's intro was chat, chat GPT generated. You know, I was looking into that and other than the concern for, you know, what data it's stealing and things like that, just because I'm I'll, always new stuff like this concerns me, but I'll sure. get over it. Just stay off TikTok. You're fine. I am. I'm off TikTok. I, trust me, nobody wants me on TikTok. <laughs> the Chinese do. Well, they can watch me from their balloons. That's oh. true. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Chat GPT. Anyway, I need to write a document for work, and I'm seriously thinking about sticking in the document <laughs> just for the fun of it. Just to see what happens. <laughs> so y'all, here's what we're going to be doing. Throughout this episode, we've used GPT to generate, chat GPT to generate several things, including all of our ad reads. So each of the ads we're going to be reading for Miniature Market, Portal Games, and Game Toppers was generated by chat GPT. Now, Tony, this probably isn't too smart because if these are too good, Ignacy's going to go, 
what am I paying you guys for? <laughs> I, he's asked that for years. That's true. He's just being kind. He's like, okay, I need this levity in my life. Oh, oh man. So, that's good. And he's, and he's been, he's coming off of portal con. Uh-huh. I'll be honest with you. I have not gone out and seen all the announcements yet. I've, I'm behind. I'm, I'm behind. You saw the, the big one I'm interested in is the, is the dungeons, uh, the uh, empires of the North kind of oh, next yeah. game, which is the dungeon generation. He didn't design it, but it's in that world where you're building like a, uh, a combo type thing where you're building, uh, not dun- is it dungeons or underground? Anyway, you're like building caverns and stuff underground and these cards are being placed and you trigger the cards as you place them on the board. It looks, it looks very Imperial settler settlerish with the mm. clever card play. So I can't wait for that later on okay. this year. I think it's August, September. It comes out. All right. I, I mean, seriously, I I've gotten so far behind on catching up on my videos. So was there, other than that, was there anything else? I mean, we knew about, you know, I know he's getting ready to do, they're working on some more Batman series stuff. Can you release really? Yeah, I think, and I think there's uh, some new uh, Dune stuff, including a game that's coming out on GameFound uh, based on the comic book Thorgle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's by a, a, a Polish author. It's going to be coming out. And to me, the game looks very clever. Uh, I've been reading his designer update notes. I'm very interested in it. It's probably one of those things people like, I don't know who this person is. So what I did, Tony, is I went out and bought uh, the graphic novel from Amazon mm-hmm. on Thorgal. It's one that Ignacy recommended. Said, this is a good introduction to the characters in that world. So I got it. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. And I was, I've was i got it in my Amazon cart to do as well, to purchase it up so that I'm not as far behind to appreciate the game. And I know he's also been saying that he's going to release other mentions of things that you may want to read so that you can understand. I also saw where he was saying how... You know, maybe this is for you. Maybe it's not. Not every game is. So, hey, you know, take it what it is. I saw that post about that. He was talking about uh, some people were expecting it. He showed off some of the me- mechanisms and gameplay at PortalCon. Some people were expecting a very narrative-driven game, and it's more of a strategy-type game. I'm okay with strategy. I need strategy. See, that's me. That's what appeals to me. I have enough games out of there that are narrative storytelling. Mm-hmm. I like his games that are more thinky. Mm-hmm. that's just me and maybe we'll get it to the table by 2025 uh, i don't i mean if it comes out in august on game found this year i don't know when it's supposed to be delivered i know but i'm just thinking how you and i are on playing where we could you know it's, we'll put it in front of stronghold undead wow not that i wouldn't want to get stronghold undead on the table very soon just yeah it's just you and i setting up it's, again you and i need almost have like a two-person get a, a cabin in the woods for a weekend Whoa, okay Okay, <laughs> and we got all these games that we want these two player epic games that we want to play like war of the ring uh like stronghold undead uh what else i think there's probably some gmt games two player we want to get on the table so that's funny that you would say that because just the other night i put on the dvr because uh the movie channel had <laughs> the dvr deli- the dv what <laughs> I don't is know. it kind of like, like VHS? You might as well call it VCR this time. I mean, I seriously, you don't have a DVR box anymore, right? Yes, two. You still have a DVR box? Two of them. One for upstairs, one for downstairs. Yeah, that's the way Spectrum works. I Okay. I didn't realize those were still a thing, I guess. Why would they not be a thing? Not everybody is cut of the edge. Not everybody. See, that's when we had to revamp the neighborhood with our internet out here, and we, I've talked about this on the on the um, podcast where it was a 
effort to bring in, they had, um, what is it, DSL in the front of the neighborhood and fiber in the back. You, you've told us all this. I understand it. But I'm just saying that like for like live TV, we have YouTube TV and I can record it, but I don't have a physical device to record it. It's just their service allows me to record a program or Hulu TV and I can just go back and watch it. Well, Spectrum's not that class, uh, not that formal, okay? Not that high tech. It's a box. It's got a hard drive in it, okay? And it pixelates periodically and it freezes periodically. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm sorry for correcting you for using DVR because you're actually using a, a digital video recording device. <laughs> anyway, so it was on there and Deliverance was on. I've never seen it. And you just said Cabin in the Woods and that made me think back to what a movie. I've never yeah, seen Deliverance. That, that's, yeah. Ooh. So, ooh. Ooh. so that's the first time you've ever seen Deliverance. Huh? I've never seen it still. So you I've still haven't recorded. watched it. Mm. Okay, so let me know after you watch it. Ooh. There's a famous line in there. Mm -hmm. And once you watch the movie and I say the line, you're going to have a grimace on your face. Well, so. I know the line. You, you oh, you do? Live. Yeah, it's not like your Seinfeld references. That line has been around, you know. All right, well, like I guess we should say what the line is because people are wondering. Uh, squeal like a pig? Squeal like a pig, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I've seen enough of the uh, cuts of the banjo, dueling banjos and things yeah. like that. So I, I understand what's going on there. But anyway, Cabin in the Woods, Deliverance, got it. Boy, that was a massive squirrel. Uh, Chat GPT did not write any of that. <laughs> it probably should have. It would have been probably a lot better than what we just went over. Oh, I don't know. That was pretty off the cuff, pretty good for typing in the AI of our own brains. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I uh, see so you got in here. You got something about inserts. Talk to me. Have you got some new inserts or something? Well, you ordered them. And have you used... So the first one is uh, Cubes for Me. Never you used them. You haven't, used, you haven't put it together yet? I don't have a Cubes for Me. What was it? What was the site that we just got them for our train games? Oh, my gosh, Tony. I'm so sorry. I'm sitting here thinking... Cube for Me. Sorry. I, I'm sitting here thinking Folded Space... Because I have some on the site I haven't put together yet. Cubes for me. Yes, Cubes for me, which is also a Polish mm -hmm. uh, company. Yeah, that, that, I have not uh, set them up yet. Have you? Yes, I spent. All, so last night, I spent all last night wearing my readers and my tweezers to put stickers on wood, wooden disc for the train game. So mine's ready to go. Got the cases all set up. Um, very well constructed. And the reason why I call them inserts is they go inside the box to hold the pieces. Right. So I haven't, I haven't done mine yet. Uh, these are mainly, I guess, the ones we bought them for are like a lot of GMT games or historical games. You got one for an 18XX game. I got one for an 18XX. I also got one for, did you get Fire in the Lake? Uh, you got, I got, I got yeah, Fallen Skies. Fallen Skies and Memoir 44. Okay. And I got Fire in the Lake plus Robin, And all those are GMT games. And Essentially, these are just really nice, uh, I guess, four by four or five by four uh, trays for holding uh, bits and pieces, deck boxes. And for the uh, for the 18XX games, they have a nice set of stickers and wooden bits because I guess the 18X games are actually little cardboard tokens. Mm -hmm. And you replace those tokens with these wooden discs and give you the stickers to put on them, which makes it easier to manipulate. Right. And oh, nothing like stickers of putting them on wood. Oh, my heavens. Got to get them lined up just perfect. Yeah. And, then, and then in your trays, they, uh, you should have gotten stickers in your trays so that yes. you can place the various tracks. I will give you a hint. Okay, please. Make sure that you lay out the tracks in the trays before you put the stickers in the trays. 
And so, okay. you can, so you can do the spacing and you know how it all works and the, you organize it how to your liking. Oh, so it doesn't tell you what sticker should go in what section of the tray? No. So for, okay. for instance, in uh, I have 1880, um, there were 13 number nine tiles. Okay. And they gave me four stickers, but there was eight, seven. These are the numbers on the tiles. So basically I just took them and I laid them in the tray so I could make sure that I had it all spaced out correctly. I knew where the stickers would go. Now you could be haphazard and try to, you're not ripping these stickers out. They, okay. they, they were in there. They were stuck. I didn't line them all up. But that's beside the point. That's like guys as close as I want. But so yes, they came to you pretty quick too. Yes, they did. Shipped from Poland. They got here in like seven to 10 days and they're very reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our complete set for the 18X games was 15 to $20. It wasn't yes. too bad. No, it was not bad at all. And they've got all kinds of stuff for like root or code names. I mean, Settler of Catan tokens to maybe change it up a little bit, different colors, things like that. So I was very impressed with them. I liked how well they snapped. Now, I know we had our order was not complete, and I think you were going to reach out to him. Yeah, I think there, I think a couple lids, it seems like instead of uh, lids for some of the trays, I got an extra tray. Yes. And, and tried to fit it on top. And I think it was supposed to be a lid instead. So I need to contact them and see how that goes uh, to get that fixed. I just, I just keep forgetting it's down there. It's down in my basement. So kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but I need to go in and uh, follow up with that. So yeah, uh, this is cubes for me. It's cube cube for me. No S cube for me.com. And uh, so go out there and check them out, especially if you have a a lot of like GMT gay war games. Uh, You said root was on there. Some other things too. just another place to get some nice inserts, very reasonably priced. And even though it's from Poland, the shipping really isn't that bad. I was surprised at how quickly it got here. So yep. then I had a bad experience with folded space on one Uh-oh. insert Uh-oh. previously I talked about mm-hmm. on the show. Yep. But then I got my Sagrada insert. Yes. That you uh, ordered off of miniature market. By the way, did you get your miniature market $10 gift, gift card for your birthday? I sure have. I've not used it yet though. Well, it's 10% off and it'll be over this weekend. So I'm putting in an order using my $10 off. What are you buying? Um, I'm going to buy another uh, folded space insert. And Got this it. one is for role player. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to, I think there was uh, another board game I was looking at and I can't remember. It's in my wish list. I got to look at that. Got it. They're out of the card sleeves though for seven wonders. I need uh, card sleeves for seven wonders and they're, they're out of them. So I'll have to get those later, but that's no big deal. But anyway, I put the folded space Sagrada together. It fit better than the one I got that I use for um, Imperial Settlers. It was uh, it fit in the box. The box lid closed completely. It held everything in place. It came together very nice. It made sense on how they did it. It was interesting. They had these extra pieces that you would use that you would stick in the bottom of the uh, crate or not crate, but the little box. So it would lift up the small dice. You know, you've got Sagrada. You know how small those dice are. So that was kind of interesting that they did that. But overall, all my expansions fit in it without any issues. The box lid closed. That made me very happy. Uh, so I got two folded spaces, two folded spaces, two folded space inserts from my uh, secret squirrel. I just haven't put them together yet. Which ones you get? Uh, Empires of the North. Okay. You know, with a lots of factions in there, that everything won't fit in that box anymore. So I'm going to have to throw away the insert and and put this mm-hmm. one together. Plus uh, the Arkham Horror third edition, because uh, I got tons of uh, expansions uh, for that. So I need to put those in there, uh, get them all in one box also. 
Definitely get your glue ready to go and, and manage that because Elmer. Uh, I used um, the gold tube of glue. I think it's like I forget the tacky glue. So some type of tacky glue. I like that okay. glue better. And then I put together finally after three years my broken token journeys to Middle Earth expansion. Uh, in- insert. Insert. Thank you. Yep. And that took freaking six hours. Ooh, I knew it. that's why I put it off for so long. I knew it yeah. was going to be, but it's nice. Oh my heavens. I forget how nice those inserts are. And I forget how costly they are too, but still. And heavy they are. And heavy they are. Yes. But I put that bad boy together and put all my journeys to middle earth in there, including the expansion, which lifts the box lid up, but no big deal. It is what it is. And so that's all set up. Someday I'll get to play that game again, but this is going to be a solo. Another one of those things I wouldn't mind sitting down playing again. Mm-hmm. I got I got three expansions to it. I've got the uh, new stuff for the Lord of the Rings card game still in shrink. I haven't opened and played yet. I still would love to sit down and play. I could do that solo, but my gosh, I do not like playing solo games. I'm just not a solo gamer. I really am not. Oh, you you like the the bonding, the getting together. Oh, oh, for sure. When it comes to board games, I'd much rather sit with other people. If I'm playing by myself, then I'm just going to sit in front of the TV and play a video game or play Guild Wars or, you know, I'd rather just play a video game at that point. Okay. That's, yep. that's good. I got to get through the backlog. I want to play some like <clears throat> Skyrim and, and all the rest of them. Gloomhaven, which is still sitting in shrink. Got so much stuff coming in the final segment. We're going to be talking about like our video game segment mm-hmm. and probably the most amazing Nintendo direct I've ever seen. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. Cause I'm going to have a whole list of stuff to play in 2023. What else has happened? I came back to a game night. Yeah, you did. You came back. And one of the things I introduced you to that I held off until you got back because uh, you like rolling rights is retrograde uh, from designer Mary Flanagan and Max Seedman from the publisher Resonum, R-E-S-O-N-Y-M. And I held off on this because when you look at it, the cover is like a, a Galaga or Galaxian or Space Invaders type theme uh, where your sheet is basically like a video arcade screen and you're trying to knock out aliens uh, on your sheet and score points over the course of the game. So I really want to get your thoughts on it as a big time rolling right fan because you play a lot more than I do. Mm -hmm. What did you think of this kind of fast paced, easy to learn rolling right? I'm not a fan of the fast paced rolling rights. The ones where you're you're racing against other people to roll. Like a real time race. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, you're right. It was easy to understand, matching some dice. I mean, it was clever in what they were doing with it. But due to the fact that it's that real time, I'm not a fan. So that's Mm. why I would not play this one again. uh, Based on all the rolling rights I have, this one would not see the light of day again. Not saying bad or anything, but I just want to be clear on this. It's not my cup of tea. So let me just explain what this is. Everybody has a set of uh, uh, dice. And when you say go, you start rolling the dice. And you try to match... Um, as many of the same type of aliens as as you can and in the middle of the table is a number of cards that have like different pictures of aliens or powers on them different types of aliens what you want to do is try to get a lot of matches to one of those types of aliens that are on the card and then uh, when you when you're satisfied with the number of aliens you have on your dice you just grab one and then uh, you keep going until there's only one left and then you say, everybody says stop. And the person who hasn't grabbed a card gets a couple more rolls to re-roll a couple more times. And then they get one of the cards that are left on that card. It tells you what aliens you can cross off this turn. 
So for any dice that you have showing that type of alien, you cross them off on your sheet. The only rule for crossing them off is it must be adjacent, you know, uh, orthogonally adjacent uh, to each other as you cross them off. The goal is, is to cross off columns because if you do, uh, you can get points for beating the boss at the top or crossing off horizontal lines because if you do, you can activate powers that on some of the cards that you claim. So some of the cards you claim may have a power on it. When you uh, cross off a horizontal row, you get to activate that power. Maybe it gives you something special, maybe like an extra die or something like that. Uh, and you keep going after a certain number of rounds, and then you count the points, and the person with most points wins. Now, Tony, you said you weren't a fan of it, but we gave this to uh, Bert uh, to take to his family and play. He wrote me, and he said, dude, he said, can I, can, I'm just going to buy this off of you. He said, my family loves this game. Okay. I went, really? Okay. He said, he said, my kids love it. And I said, no, man. I said, you know, you, you just keep it because <laughs> we torture you with having to play a new mm. game every week. <laughs> so you just enjoy it. He says, well, thanks so much. So he and his family absolutely love this game. So for a simple entry-level roll and write, uh, I think it's, it's a good one to try if you like the real-time racing thing, which I get your point with that. Yeah, and I like the power-ups. It gave you like the power-up cards. If certain cards have power-ups on the bottom of them, they gave you special abilities. That's always good to see. And also at the bottom, uh, there's also ways that you can get some wild cards or, or wild that you can spend at the bottom over the course of the game mm -hmm. to give you like an extra alien and stuff. But what's tough is, is towards the end of the game, a lot of the aliens are no longer are similar that are beside each other. So you're knocking them off like one by one at that point. It's hard to chain a combo because you got none left that are adjacent to each other the same kind. And I also like that every score sheet was different. Yours was yes. different than mine. That's very good. Very good design. Once again, I would put it up above, uh, what is it? The, the zombie dice rolling game. Yeah. And as far as other rolling rights similar to that, I, you know, I just cannot think of one that has real time in it, but I've played them before and I'm just not a fan. That's why I can't think of them. They, they're in and out, gone, done. Yep. So that's our thoughts on Retrograde from Resinum. What did Chat GPT write as its review? So, Tony, we'll just alternate uh, paragraphs here. You okay. read the first one and I'll read the second one. We'll, we'll see what Chat GPT says about this game. Retrograde is a fantastic board game that I would highly recommend to anyone who loves strategy games. The objective of the game is to be the first player to get all your pieces from one end of the board to the other <laughs> while avoiding your opponents and the obstacles in your way. What sets Retrograde apart from other strategy games is its unique game mechanics. The game is played on a constantly changing board with new obstacles being added and old ones disappearing as the game progresses. This creates a dynamic and challenging environment that requires players to think critically and adapt their strategies on the fly. The components of the game are top-notch with high-quality pieces and a beautifully designed board that immerses the player in the world of retrograde. The artwork and design are both stylish and functional, making it easy to follow the action and keep track of your pieces. Overall, Retrograde is a must-have for any serious gamer. It's challenging, engaging, and offers endless replay value. Whether you're playing with friends or on your own, Retrograde is sure to provide hours of enjoyable gameplay. Okay, we don't have to worry about being replaced with that. Yeah, this AI got it all wrong, but so you have to give it, you have to feed it, you have to seed it to make yeah, it. Yeah, I something. probably could have seeded it more information. If I probably would have sit there and gone, what is retrograde and given a lot of details about rolling right and how it works, it would have been more specific. I just want to see what a generic would come out with. Yeah, but by then you've written it, you know, so this <laughs> is useless. 
<laughs> that's true. Uh, anyway, so okay, that, that's a fail for Chat J, uh, GPT on that. Hey, I know it's it's late, y'all. This uh, episode's coming out the week of Tantrum Con, and tickets are already sold out. But if you're going to be in Charlotte, uh, the end of February for Tantrum Con. Uh, Tony and I will be there. I'm running a couple games. We have our Boon Pie Eating Contest again on Saturday from 5 to 6. Uh, so you can go over to Tantrum Con or Tantrum House website and get some more info on it. Of course, it doesn't really matter because tickets are sold out, Tony. So I'm just saying it. If you're going to be there, make sure to say hi. Well, definitely say hi to us. I mean, I plan on being there on Saturday, maybe some on Friday. We'll see how the schedule goes. I'm looking forward to it. I know that usually you put a lot of stuff on the agenda, but I think you're teaching two games. The only thing that you've committed me to is a moon pie eating contest that I and Twilight Inscription, which I don't have to play. (laughs) You don't have to play, but there's a spot for you, right? So we'll we'll see. Maybe we'll we'll pull somebody in off of the street where I can sit Uh, there and commentate. You have no interest, huh? Not really. No. Okay. I'll be there to cheer people on. I like doing that. You are you playing? I thought you were teaching, so you can't play. Yeah, I'm. uh, I'll. uh, Yeah, I'll teach. I'll teach. Yep. But well, what was your plan? What was your thought process? To teach. To teach. I wasn't going to play. I'll help out. Mm -hmm. So I'll run the game. So basically, what what you're going to get to experience if you signed up for this is you're going to have Marty teach you and me commentate. What better way to waste an hour, two hours of your time? That's true. That's true. And it's a good intro to the game. Here's the thing. I don't know who's showing up. I'm hoping it's people that's never played because I'm actually going to play through the tutorial. Uh, you know how like you they, you mm-hmm. play through the first several cards? I'm playing straight through that. Again, y'all, Twilight Inscription to me has one of the best, best tutorials of a game I've ever seen. How basically there's a script almost written by chat GBT uh, that runs <laughs> you through each of the cards and how to score each of the sheets. It's it's really well done. And what it does is it gets you through the first several cards, which introduces you to all the sheets. And then the, you just play the, throughout the rest of the game. It's really well done. I'm looking forward to this. I'm uh, Somebody reached out to me. They were going to teach us Spirit Island if we're around. Mm-hmm. So I just need to get that scheduled. I don't know if you're interested, but um, I am interested in learning Spirit Island. I bought that cool. so that Don and I could play because mm-hmm. it's supposedly a great two-player game. You know, I'm mm. happy to sit down and play games that anybody wants to teach me. And I promise I'll have a good attitude. That's more than you promise in our game nights. Well, that's because y'all are used to me. <laughs> uh, speaking of game nights, uh, you handed me a, a candy cane. Yeah, I was in Michael's and yeah, these candy canes were on sale and they were interesting flavors. And I thought, well, you know what? This would be awesome for a taste bud. Taste buds. Two incredible stars. Taste buds. Two incredible stars. Taste buds. They're just a bunch of. They're just a bunch of. All right. So actually, we're featuring two products in this taste buds, Tony. This these candy canes. By the way, are these two different flavors? Or are they the same? Same flavor. Okay, uh, but we also just got uh, dropped on us a Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream Zero Sugar. Yep, we sure did. So which one you want to go for first? Uh, but you said that you're not a fan of Dr. Pepper, correct? 
I am not a fan of Dr. Pepper, but I sh- we'll see how this goes. There's right. something, I, yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since I've had Dr. Pepper. Something happened where I didn't want it. You know how you, you encounter, you taste something and maybe you get sick or something and you yeah. never go back to it? Yeah. Uh, that was me with cherries when I was a child. Squirrel! I had a piece of cherry pie and got strep throat right after. Ooh. And then every time I had strep throat as a kid, my parents fed me cherry sucrets. So to me, the flavor of cherry, or or even worse, what was that antiseptic spray they sprayed in your mouth to numb it? It was cherry flavored. Uh, Anything having to do with a sore throat, I associate with cherries. So I do not like cherry flavored anything to this day. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would. I, so okay, that's why you don't like cherry coke or any of these other things. I love cherry. Like so, you don't like cherry flavored pop tarts. Nope. My favorite. And you? Okay, that's fair. And here's the thing: I'll drink a cherry coke because it's not that strong. Like cherry pie. Nope. Oh, I love a good cherry pie. I, I I know I'm weird. It's just that it's to me the taste of cherries tra- takes me straight back to medicine. Mm, okay. All right. Let's try that. Let's try this. Uh, I'm holding this. Like I'm gonna see what that is. Uh, the candy cane first, and then we can wash it down if we need to with the. Uh, All right. With the drink. So here we go. So take a whiff of it. I got to get it open first. I guess I should have done that before we started the show. Now I have no idea if it's going to taste like the. Um thing it's supposed to be now let's explain what this is it's it's a yellow and white striped candy cane mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna smell it because you wouldn't tell me what this is by the way this is they expire of june of 2023 so you've okay. got plenty of time on this i don't smell anything yeah very 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 mild very mild. okay you All ready right, here we go yeah here we go Oh, it tastes um, like it. It does taste like it, though. <laughs> Tell me, all it tastes is sweet. All right. Mm-mm. I'm going to give you the name of the company that makes the thing they're trying to flavor here. Hostess. Twinkies? Twinkies. I, should, I'll try, I forgot to buy you a Twinkie for you to take compare it to. Oh, I taste it. I taste the Twinkie. You know what? I don't, that's it. I don't know if, I don't know what I guessed if you hadn't told me, but now that you've told me, I taste that. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 It's the, you taste the cream filling. Taste the cream filling of it. Of course, I, I, I never eat Twinkies. I can't even remember the last time I had a Twinkie. I know that's why I should have bought one to give it to you, had it wrapped up so that you could mm. taste it. That's actually not bad, though. <laughs> <laughs> I will be um I'll be licking on this the entire show. Mm-hmm. I try to make sure to edit out the mm-hmm. the mouth noises, y'all. Yeah, I'd be interested in what Vanessa when you break it in half, give her a little piece there. Mm. Yeah, um I'll I'll definitely get her to try the other part. All right. So uh let's try the other thing. The Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream uh zero sugar. I'm a okay. big fan of Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar in general, so I'm very curious to see how this is gonna be. Okay, here we go. Pop the top. Ooh, yep. That will smell the strawberry and cream. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. It's not bad. It's no pitch dark from Mountain Dew, but yeah, it's good. Oh, you like pitch dark better? No, I mean, it's fine. It's probably more on the sweet side for me than what I like. So I don't know that I would just go out and buy two liters of this, mm-hmm. but having this every once in a while, this actually is pretty good, y'all. It's pretty good. Yeah. It doesn't taste diet. You know what it reminds me of is the um, hard candy with the soft center, the strawberry hard candy with the soft center. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. So that's, you know, Dr. Mm-hmm. Pepper, 
strawberries and cream, zero sugar. I don't, is this a limited run? In, I don't in light, know. In light of uh, Valentine day. Might be. I'm not sure. Yeah. I haven't heard. Mm, Vanessa is a big fan of the Dr. Pepper, zero sugar cream soda. We'll just put that right there. We'll look at our little Twinkie candy cane, which I'm very surprised about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. All right, y'all. So there you go. Uh, Twinkie candy canes, uh, Thumbs up if you like the taste of Twinkies. And for Dr. Pepper, zero sugar, strawberries, and cream. If you think the idea of Dr. Pepper, strawberries, cream sounds good, well, then I think you're going to like this because this is exactly what it tastes like. If you like strawberries and cream, that's what it tastes like. It did not taste like Dr. Pepper to me. I do get to taste a hint of Dr. Pepper flavor in it, though. Hey, Marty, are you tired of playing your favorite games on a flimsy surface? Well, upgrade to the ultimate gaming experience with Game Toppers. Game Toppers is a company dedicated to providing high-quality game tables and game mats that enhance your gaming experience. Our tables are designed to fit most board games, card games, and tabletop games. With their sturdy construction and sleek design, you'll feel like a pro no matter what game you're playing. Our game mats are made from premium materials, ensuring durability and a smooth surface for your cards and game pieces. Say goodbye to scratched or bent cards and say hello to an immersive gaming experience. Don't settle for less. Upgrade your gaming setup with Game Toppers today. Visit our website. Trust us. Your gaming group will thank you. Okay, that was freaking good. That was, that awesome. was pretty good. <laughs> that was, ChatGPT, that was really good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, where was this 10 years ago? Man, I just put in a few details about Game Toppers, and that was pretty darn good. By the way, the game site, they didn't say what that was. It's GameToppersLLC.com if you do want to go check it out. Okay, I'm impressed. I was impressed with that one. I was using mine the other day for a game we're going to talk about later to keep it off. Uh, it's, it's just so easy. Roll out the mat. Yeah. The mats. Oh, man, our game night, you're rolling out that mat on top of that, keep stuff from sticking to whatever substance was on that table before we got there. Yeah, like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see me every uh, week at our game night. I roll out the, the gray mat for us to use, and it's a great experience. And on that mat, a couple of weeks ago, we got to play the new game from Uwe Rosenberg, Attawa. Thank you for teaching it. I had no problem teaching it. Lookout Games, right? I think that's who yes. came out with this. So... <laughs> Marty's had this thing about nature games lately. I have. And when I first said it was about bats and fruits, he's like, that's it. Nope. I'm not going to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at the root of this game, it's basically, it, it's a worker placement game. Yeah. That's really what it is. But one of the nice things about this is this worker placement game, you only have three workers. And in the rule book, it clearly states, that's all you get. There's none of this needing to build up to get more workers or anything like that. I appreciated that, Marty. I don't know how you felt about just having that limited set of workers. One thing I do like about that uh, format is the game doesn't get long or longer over time. Anytime that you have a worker placement game where you keep adding additional workers, it starts dragging out. So the first rounds go quick and the last rounds go slow. I like it that every round's pretty much consistent as far as gameplay and speed. Right. I mean, the ultimate goal here is to get victory points and to have the highest. So that we covered that in the game. And what you're doing is throughout the game, you are gathering trees or fruit or wild animals or goats or expanding your population 
to help you get those victory points by placing them on your own little village that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. A village that you actually build, mm-hmm. uh, which is one thing that's really interesting. So you start out with the tile. Uh, these uh, tiles are three by three grids. Uh, during one of your actions, you can actually take one of your workers and claim a new tile to put and build out your village uh, that you'll probably need to do to expand, to hold more animals, more plants, more families, etc. Because what would a UA Rosenberg game without feeding? <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and get there. You have families that you that you need in order to cultivate the crops, in order to build out the population. By the way, I, did you read some of the history behind this? You read it to me at the at the board game night. Yeah, it was like in that. Ghana, uh, where the uh, idea was is that the uh, there was a lot of industrialization that took place uh, when it was taken over by socialism or communism and stuff like that, and they're trying to get you know go back to nature and everything like that. So they're trying to encourage a lot of farmers to now practice you know making uh, building uh, planting trees, fruits, etc. And one way of pollination is through fruit bats. Mm-hmm. So that's where the whole a concept of having bats in to go around to your trees, gather seed, and make more trees and mm-hmm. more fruit around. That's the whole theme of the game, which I think is really clever. But yes, so as your population of your family grows, in typical UA fashion, you got to feed your family at the end of every round, y'all. You're either going to kill off some wild animals or kill off some goats. Or you might be eating some fruit. You might be able to, oh, I don't know, spend some of your gold resources to do that. Mm-hmm. Somehow you're going to feed your family. And that's, there is in that. So expect that. The other thing about this game is that in front of every player, you have a resource board. It's not like the common resource, resource supply outside of gold and bats. Everybody has a set number of resources. You either have a set, uh, you have wild animals, you have trees, you have oranges or fruit, you have the family population that's coming in and the goats. Mm-hmm. Those are the resources. You can't take anybody else's resources. Right. So over the game, as you are doing things, spending items from your actions, your workers, you are either pulling them off that board or putting them back on that board. Mm. And when you're doing that, you're covering up some of the victory points at the end of the game. You're, you're generating some income by getting families out there. If you don't have enough trees, then you can't put the oranges out on the trees. It's a very unique puzzle to, to say, okay, I need to put this stuff back on this board so that I can use it later in future turns so that I can generate more resources with the end goal. I hate to keep saying it, but it is, it's to at the very end to make sure I have the max amount of resources uncovered so I can get the max amount of victory points. Yeah. And the way you get those uncovered is obviously by building out your village Mm -hmm. and having places to put all those resources from your board onto, into your village. Uh, your village uh, in each of the uh, nine spots on each card, it may tell you this is for a tree, this is for a bat, this is for a family. So some of the places are restricted. Some of them can be anything. As long as you have another one of those types of resources somewhere on that card, you could place a duplicate of that resource in one of the uh, free spots. And like you said, Tony, the whole goal, honestly, is by the end of the game, you want as many resources off of your board and in your village tableau as possible, then that will open up victory points that you're going to add up to ultimately get to your 
your total 50 points at the end of the game. But what I thought was really clever is after you take all your actions, you have to resolve uh, each row starting at the top of your resources. And the more you have uncovered, you get things. So if you have enough wild animals uncovered, you get a tree. You mm-hmm. could plant some trees. If you have enough trees uncovered, it allows you to build fruit. If you have enough fruit undone, it allows you to unlock more families. You're going to have to get some goats out there to be able to feed those families. It's, that's where you can't go crazy early on with having too many families on the board, which, which you do need, but you better have a way to feed them. And that's typically the best way is with those goats. Mm-hmm. And so you got to get those out on the board too. And you have less goats than anything else. Uh, and not that I'm going to cost us $5, but the, the fruit leads to the bat. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, My no, bad. No, yes. No, 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 no. I just, I don't, I won't save our $5 gift cards. for No, for and, and that, and of course, thematically, duh, that makes sense. If you have fruits, then you're going to get to generate bats. And the whole purpose of the bats is, well, it's kind of the whole purpose of the game because you do have a card where you can store bats off the, to bat the cave. side. The bat cave. Yes. Everybody <laughs> gets a bat cave uh, for storing your bats. And the and and being able to control your population of bats is also very important. You want a lot of bats out there to be able to uh, take all that fruit and then repopulate it for more trees. And you can do that once per round. That you can say take three bats and a fruit, and that will give you a new tree. So the so the bats go to the bat cave. So you can do it. You know you've got three workers. So you're going. You could possibly do it three times. So nine bats. And then at the end of the round, all the bats have to come roost back home. They have to come back to the homes, which by the way, if your villagers have trained, they can, their homes can train for bats. They've built bat houses. Let's say that, or Uh maybe some more trees or some things like that. There's various places to put it. So there is a balancing act. I like that little bat cave thing. Yep. Now, the other thing that I enjoyed about this game is for the rounds, you seed the board with these various actions randomly. And as the rounds move, the round counters or round tiles slide to the left, covering up a portion of the actions you could do in previous rounds. So it is shifting and giving you different combinations for your workers to do. So when you like, for instance, let's say you wanted to have, oh, I don't know, you wanted to train a family on one round. It's, but the one, the thing next to it was really good unless you collect three gold. Well, the next round, that's going to slide over the top of it and I'm, I know I'm not explaining this very well. It, the whole mechanic of the sliding during the round phase was really interesting to me. Yeah, no, I I, I get that. And also, uh, basically, that's how you track your rounds. You play through seven rounds. And uh, that's one way that you is kind of basically your round marker. But the actions available to you will change in that one spot each and every round. Now, we talked about all these things that you can do. And there's a lot of different actions on the board. Not going to explain them all, but it's your typical sort of thing. Hey, uh, you can go here. You can claim a new tile. Hey, you can go here. Get a goat. Get a family. Trade in stuff. Maybe trade in gold for a goat. Uh, get too wild. And you know, it's just all these different actions on the board that you can take throughout the game that you can best use to utilize the resources that you have or get more resources onto your village area. But again, you're only limited to only three workers. So there's a lot of spaces for only three workers to go as a thing. Yes. I never felt blocked. I was going to say that. Nope. And even if you took the best action of a selection, there was also the opportunity to do that action and not get as good. Like it was, I think it was train and you would get, you could train the number of families based on the number of trees you have planted. And for every four village tiles you had, you could gain gold. Well, there was one next to it where it was just train families based on the number of trees. Mm-hmm. And so that person, so you weren't locked out. There was always that opportunity to train families because 
If a family is not trained, then you had to go to a bag and pull pollution. This pollution may have some gold on it because they went out and found some gold in the river. But either way, they have created a situation where now you have to take this token out of the bag and put it on one of your tile boards. Actually, you start at the top row and you place it in the middle as you go left to right. You put it in the middle spot of your top row. It blocks that. And you continue that every time you, for every untrained family, you have to pull out pollution. So that's the reason why you need to do this. You need to train this. You need to take this action because those pollution tiles will block your board being able to have something. And that, and you said that takes place at the end of the round. Mm -hmm. Uh, The game flows is once you take all your actions, then you go to that end step where I, you know, I talked to go through your resource board and you get all this stuff, bring your bats back. But also part of that is pulling the pollution tiles too. If you have untrained families. Yeah. And, and that's where this whole game sits is in this maintenance phase. Mm-hmm. Other than that, up to the maintenance phase, there's nothing really to it. It's placing workers and doing, doing whatever conversion you need to do with the resources. Also during each round, the rounds dictate, Hey, if you have say seven families, you get to add a family. There's all these phase uh, portions of the rounds that tell you when you get to add that adjusts over time as well. So for a worker placement game, I did enjoy it mm-hmm. because it was very straightforward I found myself not having to plan too far out in the future. I felt the game moved very quickly. How about you? So for me, uh, I haven't played a lot of Agricola and Caverna. Mm -hmm. I've played them both, but it's been a while. To me, it kind of had the feel of those, but a lot lighter and a lot Mm -hmm. quicker. And the theme felt the same. The, the, the graphics on the board look uh, very similar. The how you feed the families, all that's kind of you have to deal with. So I think if you're a fan of Agricola and Caverna, but that's one of those you just can't get to the table a lot because it takes a long time to set up and play. I think this is a good option uh, for those types of fans. Is uh, is Ottawa from the exact same designer and it kind of really has the same feel to it. Right. And we enjoyed Hallertau. Yes. So this was much lighter than Hallertau. What? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, th- those are night and day. That's way heavier than this. So if you want a lighter worker placement game compared to his other games, I think this is this is something people should check out. It's a smaller box game, too. It take a long time to set up and, and put away. So it again, if you're a fan of his other heavier games, but want something a little bit lighter, check this one out for sure. That's Ottawa from Uwe Rosenberg and Lookout Games. Get ready to embark on an unforgettable gaming journey with Portal Games. As a leading publisher of board games and tabletop experiences, we offer a wide range of games that cater to all types of players. From competitive strategy games to cooperative adventures, our games are designed to bring people together for hours of fun. With stunning artwork, high quality components, and engaging gameplay, our games are not just a pastime, but a work of art. Join the Portal Games community and discover why we're the first choice for gamers everywhere. At shopportalgames.com. Yeah, yeah, that part wasn't in there. Yeah, that one from ChatGPT was okay. Mm-hmm. But still, Agnosti may think it's good enough to where I don't need you guys anymore. Yeah, but who's going to read them? He could, get a ro- he could get a robot to read them. Hi, reason why we call this show Mr. Roboto. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, I get to play a game that has this really unique twist or mechanism that just really gets me excited uh, uh, when I sit down and play it and, and talk about it. 
There's a game that just came out called Lofoten, which is by designer Sebastian Dujardin from Pearl Games. Now, Tony, this is a two-player game, and I love these two-player games like 30 to 40 minutes because we get to play before game night. <laughs> you get there early, we get to play. I think there were some really cool things in this game. Quick, just, what, what's the theme? Each of us are Vikings. Uh, we have these long boats. We're trying to pick up assets from ports and deliver them to our warehouses. Whoever can deliver the most warehouses wins. Okay, that's the theme. But what's cool, Tony, is how you play this game. So first off, when the hell did Vikings start raiding and wanted to become shipping merchants? <laughs> I, these I don't know. More, these are the more civilized Vikings. Okay. They, these are they the more set up civilized. trading ports and everything. I know Bergen is one of the shipping ports. Of, anyway, so yes, you're you're basically, you're going out trying to pick stuff up off the merchant board that's be shared between us through these tiles based on what you're allowed to carry in the cargo of your longboat. But the game resolves around three cards. The card on your left, the card in the center, and the card on the right, and what you can do with them. Card on the left, you play to your left, allows you to rotate or move your longboat to the left. The card on the right, vice versa. And the card in the center allows you to change what it, what designates what's in the hold of one of your ships when it is facing you, provided that it is empty at this time. Yeah, so I guess we need to explain. There's Each of us have a board that is, uh, is like a stop sign, six-sided. What's that called? A hexagon? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Hexagon. <laughs> Sorry. And on each side, uh, on the uh, perpendicular sides of the hexagon, there's little slots to put your cards. Whenever the uh, boat that's facing you, the slot that's facing you is empty, you can take the middle card and put it into that slot. Then what you're trying to do is through card play, playing card to the left or card to the right. If you play the card to the left, you get to turn your uh, board counterclockwise. If you play the card to the right, you get to turn it clockwise. I said clockwise. Clockwise and the others counterclockwise. And once you get that uh, card facing one of the cargo holds or on the merchant ports, then you can shift it over. And when it matches the tile that's in there, you get to load it onto your longboat. And then when you can rotate that board back down to the bottom when that boat's facing you again, you can unload it to a warehouse. So it's this clever play of these three cards uh, in order to load and unload this this these assets or these products into your warehouse. And that's the hard decision you have to make. And when you unload to the warehouse, whoever has the most of that specific good in that warehouse, then they get the points designated by that warehouse. If I have the most sheep, then I get the victory points for the sheep warehouse. And Marty cannot unload the ale into the sheep warehouse. No, he has to follow that. So you are pretty much setting up your own strategy as you're playing. Yeah, there's four random warehouses put out at the beginning of the game. And when they're all empty, you can put any type of asset, gold, uh, sheep, whatever, and into one of the warehouses. But once the warehouse is designated with that certain type tile, only those types of products can go in that tile at that uh, in that warehouse at that point. So over the course of the game, there's going to be one warehouse for every type of asset. Overall, the game centers around when you get draw another card, deciding how you want to manipulate the cards in your hand. You can't manipulate the card. So when I play a card and you draw one, it must go on the left or right. You can't put it in the middle. That's what was clever. But when I say manipulate is how you construction, because when you put it on the left or right, you're shifting the one that was may have been in the center. Now it goes to the left. You see what I'm saying? So you're manipulating them. So you need to think ahead. It's like, holy cow, there's a really high valued gold token that's out there right now. 
and I have a gold card in my hand, I need to get that to the middle of the three cards so I can designate one of my long boats to hold gold so I can try and go get it. But you're probably doing the same thing. So then it's a race to who can claim it because each of these uh, tokens have different values on them. Because at the end of the game, you're going to evaluate each warehouse and who has the most of each type will get uh, points. Also playing middle cards allow you to do a special action on them. All that comes into play. So there is some of that strategy from that stand. Overall for me, this game was fine. I, I, wow, fine? Fine. Okay, so I right, keep going. No, I mean, it was it was manipulation of cards. It was trying to figure out exactly what you want to do with those. I didn't feel a lot of tension in here. Overall, it was just, I've seen this card manipulation before. Okay, that's, that's interesting. It was nice, it was two-player, and it was quick. You obviously really enjoyed it. Okay, I've never seen this type of card manipulation before. Okay. You, you said you had. What yeah. game? I'll ha- now you've put me on the spot. I don't know. I know where I, if you, oh, Scout. Okay. Scout's, scout's the same way where you're putting cards in your hand a certain way to change order. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I'm thinking of the, the whichever card you play from your hand dictates the action that you're getting ready to take. Bonanza. Okay. The tension that I felt was the race to get the high valued items. Sometimes uh, you, one of the actions you talk, you could do a free action when you load a boat. Some of them allowed you to do things like get gold. By spending gold, you can take extra actions, uh, etc. Uh, one of them is get to, to move your longboat freely to the left or to the right or get a free rotation when you play that center card. Depending on what card you put in there, you may get a little bit of a bonus. But if you saw something, if I saw a card over there with a high value on it and you were racing towards it, sometimes I would purposely like me wipe the board because one of the... Uh, Options I had when I played that middle card might be to remove tiles to keep you from getting it. Or we might see a race to get a certain tile because it's a high value. I don't know. I To me, I felt the tension heavily. And I, I it broke my brain trying to decide in future turns, I want this card to be on the right-hand side because it's a high value card. And when I play it, that means I can move this to the right three times or rotate it three times or a combination of the two. All that just worked into a really clever game for me. Okay, that's fair. Hey, once again, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it was it was okay with me. All right, so there we go. Uh, Lofton, okay for Tony. I really like it as a two-player, thirty-minute Euro type game. I think it's clever and it's easy to set up. So uh, you might need to get it and evaluate for yourself. Five-minute initiative is complete. Another game we got to try out on game night was Bamboo, designed by German Milan, um, published by Devere Games, or I'm sorry, just Devere, not Devere Games, Devere. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those that had, I'm going to say this, it, it, it was kind of a worker placement, but it really didn't have workers in it. <laughs> I, I I agree with that. And if uh, that uh, designer sounds familiar, he's also the designer of Pataku, uh, which also came out from Devere last year, was a very popular game. So yeah, he's come out with two big games for Devere. This is a lighter style game. It plays two to four players, uh, maybe 90 minutes to maybe two hours, probably in that time frame, if four players, it'd be that way. But yeah, Tony, it is worker placement elements without a really a worker that's there. Right. So we could try to go into the rules and, and trying to explain how 
the bamboo works and burning incense at the spirits and things like that. I'll, I'll let you try it. I think it will get confusing. But the whole premise is that when you are playing this game, you've got four main actions that you can take. And those are, well, let's get to the theme. Yeah, there you go. Let's get to the theme. You are trying to balance your life. You need to balance your life. You, you mm -hmm. really need to. And you do this by decorating your home. Yes. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to keep your house in balance because if you don't, it's negative victory points. And as you are trying to put things into your house, there's certain requirements. Mm -hmm. There's like there's like tiles that will say, hey, if on this side of the board, if you have these types of items in this in your house in this particular order, you're going to gain some victory points mid-game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you, but like you said, Tony, uh, over the course as you're putting these items in your house to try to fulfill these requirements to get points, you need to make sure that the value on the left side of your house and the numerical value on the right side of your house at the end of the game are exactly equal. Because if you don't, whatever the difference is between the two, multiply that times two and that's negative points. Absolute value, of course, before you multiply. Bert caught that the other night. Was it absolute value? Because if it's one minus two, it's negative two. Negative two times two. No, that's that works. That if works. I, was going, I wasn't going to correct him. <laughs> Hold on. If it's two minus one, then one times two is two. That's it's still, It has to be negative, though. Yeah, so it depends on which side. Oh, you've so gotten. it's not absolute value, is it? Ah, oh, it depends on how where you subtract from. It's math, people. Math is hard. It's I'm sorry, okay. we scrolled there for a second. Regardless, you want the values on the left side of your house and right side of your house, and basically, your house is a grid on your board that you're getting items from the main board in the center of the table and putting them on your board. That's one of the actions you can do. But your house wouldn't be complete if you didn't feed your house. Yes, you got a family. Got to keep them fed, right? Okay, this is one of the parts of the game where I felt it was kind of pasted on. I agree. Yeah. Because the amount that you feed is dependent upon the items in your house, which we could not understand. Why do I have to feed an item? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you need food to feed this painting or this pottery. Or like, huh? what? Why? Because mm. at the end of a round, you're going to count the number of items that's in your house total. And then you have to spend food tokens equal to that. And if you can't, you lose victory points. All right. So, so the four actions you're taking is you're either picking up a pattern to meet to give you victory points. Yeah. Those are those achievement tokens I was talking about. Yeah. Buying decorations. Yep. Getting food. Yep. Or just getting money. Yep. That's it. And you need the money for buying the decorations. That's mm -hmm. the purpose of having money. Yeah. So let's go back to these spirits, to the temple. So to me, Tony, all that's standard fare to me. Yes. Those type of actions of spending to get this, get that, very standard fare. It's the action selection mechanism, which I think is unique in this game. You start the round with a set number of incense, depending on the round. Basically, it sticks, your, your incense sticks. They're sticks on your board. They look like uh, roads from Catan. Thank you. I was and, that's, and that's your player yeah. colors. Yep. Right. So you start with that. Depending the longer, the later rounds, you're going to have more of those. Okay, fine. Then you'll take your token and you will place it in the color of the temple that you want to burn your incense. Token. You have these little wooden pieces that are called bamboo shoots. And there are four different colors. These bamboo shoots also have little icons on them that represent the different uh, types of actions you can take, one of four. Which we've gone over. 
Yes, which we've gone over. When you pull those bamboo shoots, you have to pull all of them off that particular color of temple, red, green, purple, or blue. And when you pull them off, you must spend incense equal to the number that's of shoots that you've pulled off if you can. If you have less than that, you just put less. And then those at incense goes in that color temple. So if I was to pull off three red bamboo shoots off my board, I need to also pull off three incense pieces and put them in the red temple. Mm-hmm. Those three red pieces have little symbols that represents the those three actions I will take during that turn. If I only have, say, one incense left, I still have to spend all three bamboo shoots, but I can only select one of those actions to take. And when I'm done, this is, I think, is the clever part. You have to put each of those shoots back onto the board. And wherever you put them, there's four little slots that you can put them in that have other bamboo shoots there. And you slide them up one. And whichever one you push uh, up at the top, that goes back onto your board. And that's where you have to decide what color do you want to get and what action do you want to possibly take next round. But you can never visit the same temple in this twice, back to back. Not allowed. You have a little marker that you say, okay, I'm going to the red temple. When it comes back to my turn again, I have to move it to one of the other three. I can't do that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So you put your action marker there so that you indicate which temple you want to go to. However, you can spend gold to go to a different place, your incense in a different temple. Mm -hmm. You can split your incense between temples at that point. Yep. What's so important about these incense? Whoever has the most incense in a temple will get the spirit and that spirit has special powers that you can use during the game at certain times based on the spirit. However, if there's a tie, whoever burned their last incense gets that spirit. You want you use the spirit. You have to spend gold to reactivate the spirit on the next round. And that's part of, you know, the cleanup phase at the end of the round, play this, you know, four rounds, you're done. Yeah. It's really that straightforward. The, sp- the spirits are, are really powerful, though. You want those because uh, the spirits, uh, like, for example, is spend a spirit that's worth four food or spend a spirit to get two gold and to reset the spirit only cost one, which is pretty good. Uh, there's one for just doing a free action of getting an item, uh, one of the achievement tokens or maybe uh, off the board. Uh, at the beginning of the round. So they're all good to have, but also, Tony, for every different one you have at the end of the game, it's worth two points. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I like the action selection mechanic. I think it's clever about trying to decide what color bamboo shoots to get and try to make sure that the color I get has the action that I want to take next turn. Yes. Or plan ahead for the following round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because once you've spent all your incense, you have to pass. You're done. You have to have incense to take a turn. And there is strategy in possibly not using all of your incense so that you can waffle. I said you couldn't go back to the temple you were already in, but maybe you can go to the one that only has one bamboo. And you strategically set up that one bamboo so you spend one incense. And then you can go back to the one where you really wanted that spirit. And then you can be the last one at that temple. Right. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you mentioned this. One of the bamboos also has a wild card that lets you do any action. Mm-hmm. And also, you can, if you take the action, but you let's say you don't want the decoration or you don't want this various item to check the balance of it, you can just take either money or a victory point. Yeah, depending on which action you would mm-hmm. have taken, it gives you an, al- uh, an alternate. It's like, well, if you don't want this, get this instead. Yeah. Right. 
summary, you got to use all the bamboo in a, in a certain area that you go to. You may only take the number of actions to the number of incense that you spend in that temple, but you always have to make sure your incense equals what you can in bamboo. It's, you just have to do that. You cannot hold back. Like I want to go to this one temple and take only two bamboo and one incense. You can't, if you got two incense, you got to match. That's what you got to drive home to your group. And that to me was the unique and challenging part of this game. And I think you just really did a great job of describing how you might want to take a limited action uh, with just spending one incense so you can have some left over to possibly go to another temple where you have actions that you really want to take, but you need to have make, sh- make sure you have incense left to spend to go to that temple. I think that's, that's clever. Devere, production amazing. Always. I tell you, Devere is one of those. There was somebody else too. Oh, yeah. Renig- uh, not Renegade. Uh, WizKids Games too uh, mm-hmm. recently. It seems like those two companies have been just top-notch production recently. So, yeah, good-looking stuff. They give us little tile trays where you can stack the tiles in to keep them separated. They didn't have to do that. They're kind of irritating to go back in the box, but that's beside the point. I think it was nice to help you keep them sorted and they're not spread out all over the place. So you're always taking from the right area. They thought through all of that. The bamboo, you know, very nicely uh, decor- uh, decorated, easy to see the actions that you want, even though they're small print. Overall, top notch from that standpoint. I enjoyed this one. Really enjoyed playing this one. I felt the combinations, the, the strategy behind it, but it was very solo for me. Even though I know you could do certain things and take the bamboo, I may need it forward. I never felt limited. I never felt like I was going to be hampered in my following turns. Did you? The only time that somebody may affected me and maybe they claimed an item on the board I really needed. Because mm-hmm. let's say, for example, I needed to have a shoe beside a tree <laughs> and there's only one shoe left and somebody took it. So great. So I can't, com- you know, that, I can't complete that, that turn sort of deal. So I'm sorry for laughing, but that's just so. I don't know, shoe next to a tree, next to a pot. Yeah. I like everything about it. I still think the feeding is weird. Yeah. feeding. I think thematically the feeding is odd. I almost wish that action would have been something else and not worry about the whole feeding part. To me, I felt like it's just one of those pieces of tension that they kind of put into the game that I didn't really felt need to be there. Compare that to what we just talked about, Attawa. To me, that one made sense. I got all these families. Yeah, of course I got to feed them. I don't understand why if I put more shoes in my house, I have to feed more. So I just didn't get that. So, so you know, uh, bamboo is a rhizome. So it's a basic, it's a grass that basically shoots off spreads, kind of like Bermuda and things like that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't let, if you don't keep it checked because it r- goes underground, it will take over a forest. It will take over a yard. That's why pandas are so great. So maybe instead of food, they could have given us some tools, some, some, something that could have cut the bamboo instead of taking over our house and, and run amok in our house. There, there, there's my theme for you. But the tools would eventually break. And we know how Mark Kell hates breaking saws in board games. Which was so, why did the saw break? I don't know, Mark. It's part of the game, buddy. This is a, this is a throwback to a way old game. So anyway, yep, I'll play it again. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's good. I know it's way shorter than Bataku. Kind of has may has the same feel to it, so yeah, I for sure play this again too. Devere against one of those companies uh, when they offer something, we always say yes because between Wet Cathedral and some of the other stuff, they've just been really on fire lately.
Are you looking for the latest and greatest in board and card games? Look no further than MiniatureMarket.com. With a vast selection of games from classic favorites to the newest releases, Miniature Market has something for everyone. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or just looking for a fun night with friends, we've got you covered. And the best part? Shopping with Miniature Market is easy and convenient. With fast shipping and seamless checkout process, you'll be playing your new favorite game in no time. So why wait? Visit MiniatureMarket.com today and start your next gaming adventure. Okay, that one's good. That was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah, it did a good job with Miniature Market. I'm impressed. But, but then once again, we'll have to work on seeding these things. I'm all for this easy. Press the easy button. <laughs> Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Marty, a man cannot live by beer and bread alone. No, he they must. Can't? Ha- no, he must have board games to play. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, I think some people would argue with that, but yeah, yeah. And if you've got beer and bread, the board game from Scott Alms, then I think you've met all the requirements. Now, mm-hmm. this is from Deep Print Games and brought to us by Capstone over here. That's right. Now they didn't use uh, the uh, Chat GPT, but I'm going to tell you from. Uh, BGG, they may be using them in the future. Beer and Bread is a multi-use card game for two players. It is a clever structure of alternating rounds between a fascinating twist on player interaction, card drafting, and resource management. Because what you're doing is you are on your turn playing a card to either collect resources, bake some bread or brew some beer, or upgrade your village. During a fruitful year, after both players have played a card, they exchange hands. On a dry year, they do not exchange hands. Loved that mechanic. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But there's a reason why it's really good. So, number one, multi-use cards already in. Every card has three sections on it. Uh, Basically, put it down in front of you, collect the resources on it. But, Tony, I think this is clever. You like this. Um, I like this part. If I harvest again, I have to cover an existing card I've already harvested with and collect not only the new resources, but the ones I collected last time, but I only have limited storage in my warehouse. If I have no place to put all those pieces, I have to mm-hmm. give them, let's say I'm playing with you. I have to give them to you and you take what you want to go into your warehouse. So you don't want to keep harvesting too much because then you're just giving your opponent free stuff that they don't need to harvest on their turn. That's right. That allows them to use the other aspects of the Uh, card that you have where you can upgrade where if you do harvest maybe you'll collect more weed or better yet maybe at the end of the game you'll get more victory points because you've got a lot more bread or oh what about this there's something that you're going to do that during the seeding phase of the game you immediately get to collect from the field now i talked about the fruitful and dry years fruitful years there's more heart there's more resources out there dry years there are less you are never collecting from a general supply it is limited also like that during the dry year, the cards that you use to harvest were discarded. And I also like that in the dry years, three cards are shown on the board where you can swap a card in your hand for one that's on that board. This created a lot of tension in my opinion, because I could then store a card that maybe I could later make bake bread with, but I needed the card that's out on the board that would give me the resources. As long as you, Marty, didn't take that card that I just put down there. This game had tension a lot more than Lofton. And this, uh, so yeah, this one, um, I played with a, a guy at work 
And there was that time that I put down a card hoping to get it back and he picked it up next turn and I didn't get it. You mentioned that during the dry years, you have to discard all your cards. What I like this is after the fruitful years, any cards that you used for harvesting go back into your hand. This is the clever part to me because say there's a recipe for beer or bread that I'm very close to getting that I want to get back. I feel like, okay, if I plant during a fruitful years of harvest, I know I'll have it back in my hand during the dry years that I can then play it to make the bread or brew the beer. And, uh, and then at that point, then I'm, then I'm set. So I used it for planning. Sometimes I'll play a harvest card just so I can get it back in my hand the next turn during the dry years. But remember, during the dry years, that wasn't an option. Anything that you played is gone. But by playing harvest cards, you then limited the amount of cards you would be able to draw on the next phase, which maybe there'd be something better. The other thing that I thought was really, it's not unique, but I really enjoyed was the balance of the number of bread cards that you uh, make versus the brewery, the beer that you brewed. The lesser of the total points between that was your final score. Yeah. I really like that because you had to balance between bread and beer. Yep. Yep. And also, when you made a bread and beer, you couldn't make any more of that until you cleared the board. So when I made bread, the, the card goes down on the board. And when I made uh, beer, it also go down on the board. They stayed there until I took the action to upgrade my village and I could wipe those off of my board. Mm-hmm. So until that was happened, unless I had a special upgrade that allowed me to do it, I couldn't make any more beer or bread. The other tension I felt was when I passed cards. I would, Don and I played this. I passed that card over and I'm like, please do not play that card. And I'm sitting there waiting, waiting yeah. to see if she plays it as a resource or an upgrade because I wanted it back, but I did not. I couldn't use it just then. I needed to wait for it. So there's there was that tension. Once again, more tension than I expected. I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Donna felt hey, it was a cute game, which to me says, okay, eh, she was all, all right with it. I'd like to say this, see this game in a more with more players. But I, mm. I, I always like this that card manipulation between players, like uh, Seven Wonders. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to get back to me? So really enjoyed it. You're right. There was probably more tension here because uh, of that passing back and forth. So in the fruitful years, you passed the cards. In the dry years, you didn't. So each of the phases were a little bit different. And Tony, I found myself sometimes it's like, I don't want to take a chance, my opponent taking this card. So I'm going to play it as a harvest. So I'll make sure to have it when I when I trade it, knowing that I'll get it back at the end to go into the dry years uh, in order to, I said harvest, the fruitful years, come back to me in the dry years in order to use it. Yeah. Uh, I've played this several times. Each person I've played with has really enjoyed it. Beer and Bread, Scott Ohms, Capstone Games, Deep Print Games, small box, two-player game, plays in 30 minutes or so, easy to learn. If you like multi-use card games, definitely check this one out. Five-minute initiative is complete. So even though we are not in the woods at a cabin somewhere far, far away, Marty and I have been playing a lot of two-player games because we've had some chances to go do some lunches, right? Like we used to do in the old days. Oh, yeah. Been fun. Enjoying that. Been a little like a little Netrunner days. Um, and we got to the lunch table a game from Tristan Hall from Hall or Nothing Productions called 1815 Scum of the Earth, the Battle of Waterloo card game. Napoleon has been freed from Elba. I think that was that Elba. He's back and we're going to stop him. 
One player wants to. Well, it depends on who it is. Somebody's playing as Napoleon. Somebody's playing as the British. That's right. The scum of the earth. The scum of the earth. That's where the name comes from because they it was a ragtag group of farmers and uh, people who came out to help fight in this war, and they were called the scum of the earth. And meanwhile, Napoleon's going to conquer the world because he's got this Napoleon complex. Going on. <laughs> so was it named that before he came around, or did he did he name that? I think it was named after by after him. Okay, after him. yeah. The, this need to I'm I'm small and therefore I need to show I'm I'm big. Right. It's a battle game. Yeah, it's a card battle game, and this is based on a system Tony called the historic epic battle system uh, from Tristan Hall. He has three games in this series: 1815 Scum of the Earth, 1565 Saint Elmo's Pay, and 1066. Tears to many mothers. And they're all based on the same type of asymmetric card play system. You and I are getting into historical games. Mm-hmm. You and I love card games. So we had to try this out. That's right. And it's very straightforward. Very love straightforward. It. Yes. And so I even did a flow chart. You did. I was happy to do my flow chart. So I'm going to do that flow chart so that, you know, for our rule explanation. Sure. Be- because somebody didn't read his flow chart while we were playing, <laughs> but that's okay. And he was getting upset with me. So one of the winning conditions is if your opponent has to draw a card and the draw deck is empty, game over. Your opponent wins. At the beginning, you must discard down to six cards. Then you draw two cards. After that, you ready all your cards that you spent in previous rounds. Then you alternate between players doing various actions. You can either play a card using the resources of other cards. So if you want to play a card in your battlefield, You must then play a card to match the resources or tire a card in your battlefield to equal the number of resources. When you discard a card, it's worth one resource and there are cards in your battlefield that are worth. Here, for those who played the Marvel LCG, that, that. If you want to play a card, you have to discard cards from hand equal to the cost of that resource. Some cards in play did have the ability to add towards the cost of paying for another card. What I liked, and I remember, so if you discarded a card for Marvel, was it worth a set amount? I mean, like if you discard in this game, it was worth one. Yeah, it's worth one. There are some special cards in Marvel that's worth extra. Okay. Yep. So there's the that's, that's the first hard decision you and I have to make. Yes. Yeah. It's like, crap, I want to play this card, but I need to use this card to pay for this other card, which I really need to get and play. Oh, decisions. Right. Now, when I talked about the battlefield, there are three frontiers in the battlefield. Which are represented by cards, a a row of cards in the middle of the table between us. Right. Another way to win the game is if someone were to claim two of the three frontiers, they win the game. Yeah. Another thing you can do is perform an action on a card that's in the battlefield, or you can sacrifice a card, and that's by just destroying a card. And sacrificing may give you other abilities depending on what cards are in play. So yeah. it's, it's, it's all that card driven stuff we've always talked about. Yeah. People keep, we keep doing this until we both pass. And then there is a deck. Each player has a deck of objectives and you determine if you beat the objective to advance forward. This reminds me of kind of like um, the LCGs, Lord of the Rings or Arkham, where you're going through trying to meet various, uh, the paths oh. in Lord. Great comparison. So really good. The Lord of the Rings is really good because you're trying to put quest markers on a card to advance it. Mm -hmm. Here, each of us have our own decks that we're trying to advance by either zeal or might. So then you add up 
uh, the amount of zeal or might in your in your field that's in play. And then if it exceeds the defense of the card, you add damage to that card until you meet a goal and then you get to advance to the next one. Now, Tony, I like this because what it's supposed to simulate is getting your units and your people ready to meet their your opponent at the final battle in Waterloo. Mm-hmm. That's what it's kind of feeling. You and I aren't attacking each other a lot during our turns. It does happen through some card play. But typically, we're trying to work through those object that objective deck as fast as possible so we can meet head-to-head in the battlefield at the end. Right, because when we make it to Waterloo, then we start looking at the frontiers. And that's how you right. gain the frontiers. Now, you can win if I destroy your leader or you destroy my leader. Right, right. And you put cards into play in a three-by-three grid. Position matters. There are cards that's going to some say, hey, if you're on the last row, you get some bonuses. Typically, maybe like a cannon you would want in the back. There are some cards that let you move people around. There are some cards that will let you, uh, I'm just going to do an attack. For example, Tony, Napoleon had cannons, and you absolutely lit me up with those because on your turn, you could fire across uh, to the the opposite frontier and hit my guys. Mm-hmm. I could volley towards you, so you need it to position accordingly so you can move your people around. Once you play them, you're done, but there are cards that allow you to move them. Mm-hmm. Also, you have the ability to do reserves, which means pull cards out of your hand and put them in a reserve and then play them at a later time if you needed mm-hmm. to. And if you met certain objectives in your reserve, certain events in your reserves, you've got special ability. Once again, it's card play. It's manipulating the card text to allow you to do maybe multiple combos or to get the big bang for your buck. Like, like you talked about, I, Napoleon had the artillery. I had a card that allowed me to reload my cannons. I mm-hmm. needed to make sure I played that at the right time to allow me to do another attack on you when needed because other than that the cannons just sat in the field empty and uh if there was a way that i could try to get rid of your cannons to damage your cannons i was all over that because again you were just lighting me up so my leader had the ability to move people around so if you placed a cannon i was like okay let, let, let's let's remove that flank and let's get to some other place on the board and again, the whole goal was to get to that last one. And Tony, what was interesting was I thought it was just a race to get to Waterloo and whoever got there first could start claiming frontiers. But it didn't exactly work like that uh, because you were able to we almost need to get there at the exact same time because even though I actually got there first, you ended up winning in that game. Yes, because I destroyed your – because I was lucky enough to get all the cannons out. The previous mm-hmm. game we played, I couldn't get the cannons. I couldn't f- find the cannons in my deck. So that didn't change the resource. But you're right. If you make it to Waterloo before, if you basically making it to Waterloo means I'm ready for the big battle. But if I had not cleared my objectives and made it there yet, then you would be attacking the frontiers. And as long as your zeal was greater than mine, you would put objective markers or claim, you know, the eventual uh, frontier over time. One thing I did not like about this, and this may be a problem on our side, was that when you did the zeal check, it was only adding one. You were not being rewarded for making it to being ready before me. Right. I think there was something I was missing. I went back to the rules and I, we did it right. Yeah. And we've played this couple times. I mean, it's, it's uh, but the game ended at different states. I think this was the first time we had that state where I got there way earlier before than what you did. And maybe if we swapped sides or if the cannons had not come out, then it would not, it would not have resulted in the same thing. Or you could have figured out a way to, move your leader around and my cannons would have run out of ammo. I just got lucky in card play. 
Welcome to a card game. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're talking about cards. One thing that's appealed to me, the art on this is absolutely amazing. To me, the art of this reminds me of the card in the Lord of the Rings LCG, which is to me some of the best art and graphic design I've ever seen. It's almost exactly like that with the stats on the upper left-hand side. One thing you can add from your uh, hand is you might get attachments. You can add attachments to somebody to give them uh, increase their stats. Those attachments will slide underneath the existing card and have a, like a plus one you know, uh, to add beside the, the, the stat that's on the card on top of it. So it's very easy to read. So the graphic design is absolutely top notch and amazing. Theme wise, Tony, there wasn't much to it. There, there, there's flavor text on the bottom of the card. Yeah, it, it is. It's literally like a card driven war game. Uh, I'm curious. To, I, we do also have a 1565 that I would like to try, uh, to see how it plays, um, a, a little bit differently, but it is interesting to read about, the people uh, during this conflict and learn a bit, a little bit more about it. But for a car-driven uh, battle game, I enjoyed it. I, I really did. It's not as thick and historical style games of some other ones that we've played, but I still enjoy the simplicity of an asymmetric card game and the card play between the two of us. Yeah, not having a whole lot out there on the f- table, trying to deal with that, moving a bunch of chits around, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it too. Uh, you're right. Production. Also, they have a solo version where you follow a flow chart. So it speaks to me. So I'm excited. I haven't tried that out yet, but I will. So one of those games where I think, you know, I look forward to more from Mr. Hall and Hall or Nothing Productions mm-hmm. along the along this line. Yep, exactly. So that is 1815 Scum of the Earth, designer Tristan Hall from Hall or Nothing Games. It's available right now. And uh, hopefully... We're going to be able to get the other one that's on the table, and maybe we could compare the two in a future segment, Tony. Tony, as I teased at the beginning of the show, the most recent Nintendo Direct may be one of my favorite of all times. I know you don't get into watching that stuff. No. But I was watching that bad boy live, and I was making audible noises. I was clapping. I was cheering. Because there were several things that if we would have gone to that Nintendo Direct that I would have wanted, they gave me. Mm. And I'm excited for all the games and stuff that's coming out for Nintendo this upcoming year. Okay. I'm, I, you gave me the 90-second version. You and Bert uh, gave me the overview, and I appreciate that. I mean, I'm looking forward to a couple of the games, the new Breath of the Wild game, Zelda game, whatever it's going to be called. I guess for me, it's one of those things where You can announce all you want to announce, but until it's a reality, I don't care. So here's the thing that was so flipping exciting. So they announced GB Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games on their online pass that was available that day. That was the thing. So that night, I cranked up, downloaded the GBA uh, application, and I started playing Zelda Minish Cap and loving every minute of it. I was torn between Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which is an amazing RPG, and Minish Cap, but I've already played through Superstar Saga once. I never finished Minish Cap, so I'm actually playing Minish Cap right now, and it's a fun little game. And uh, Game Boy Games going to be coming out. Pokemon Trading Card, we know that's been announced Ooh. to be coming, and mm. if it has online play, I know you and I will be playing that song. Oh, yes, that will be one of those games. I'll need to download the emulators for the, the game. There was one that I used to play all the time, but they didn't... 
So if the Game Boy, they would eventually, maybe they could release the earlier Pokemons if they wanted to, right? That's what everybody's wondering. Will they release those old Pokemon games? I guess it depends on what Game Freak wants to do. Okay. Does Game Freak want to allow that on there or sell it themselves? Uh, we don't know. Uh, we know as far as Game Boy games, the two Zelda games we haven't seen since then, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons is coming, uh, mm-hmm. which are really good. Uh, I know Metroid Fusion's coming, which is one of the best Metroid games. And speaking of Metroid, right after this, when I'm just c- catching my breath, they drop Metroid Prime Remastered. We've all been waiting on. And not only did they announce it, it was available that night. Mm, okay. And see, I don't like Metroid games. I understand. It is Metroid Prime is one of my all-time favorite games. And I wanted the physical version. The digital version became available. The physical version is supposed to come out uh, like February 22nd. I pre-ordered it, but I'm watching all these people play it. It The updates look amazing. People are giving it like a, they're re-reviewing it on Metacritic. It's like at a 9.5, which is huge. It says one of the best remasters of all time. So I cannot wait to play that game. Plus just some other RPGs. Octopath Travel 2 is coming out. Uh, I had a friend of mine who tried the Sea of Stars, which is a JRPG. There's a demo of it. He says, it's absolutely amazing. There's a detective game that was an old DS game that's coming out that my sons are excited about. There's a lot. But you know what's funny is? The game that was probably the biggest everybody's waiting on may not be a day one purchase for me, and that's Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, the Zelda game. Yeah. I understand that. It's not going to be a day one purchase for me either. Because I never finished Breath of the Wild. Well, I don't, I mean, if it's going to build on all my stuff that I have in Breath of the Wild, maybe, but I can wait. You know, there's plenty of opportunities for different games. Like you said, shoot, just going through that game, the the catalog that's on there for the NES, NES, SNES, I could still play tons of those games, you know, and I still got mm-hmm. a lot of those. Advance Wars. Yeah. I have to wait and see oh, about that one. Are you going to be, didn't, is that day one for you? I don't know. Why would it be? Why am I going to jump over there to do this term base game that i've already played once okay I, I don't know i have already pre-ordered it it comes out in april i will be getting it that's uh advanced wars reboot re something i can't think of the name of it but it's, it's a remaster i loved one and two and played it since it came out on what what was it on the gba i yeah i don't remember i do know this about it it was um i got two and i didn't like two as much as i did one same i didn't either but this is going to be both in one package. So I am excited about revisiting those two. I really think that what they're doing is, is they're setting up all these old re-releases and remasters to give developers a chance to work on the new hardware that I bet is going to be eventually be announced. Here's the bridge, you know, of stuff to play on your current switch while they prep for the next big one. Okay. I don't need any more new stuff. I got everything that I'm not playing now. So I just need to, <laughs> Oh goodness. Thanks to you. Yeah, I, I tell you, I'm excited. What did I just finish? I just finished playing Bayonetta 2. That may have been the shortest game I've ever played. Eight and a half hours and I was done. It is a super short game, <laughs> but I loved it. I enjoyed playing it. I have Bayonetta 3 sitting on the back burner now, but it's going to have to wait till I get through Metroid Prime and play it and who knows what else. So I've been playing a lot of Switch. I know you've been heavy still into Guild Wars 2. You've been playing way more than I have. It's just trying to get back to see what... If- how much I enjoyed. I mean, I got all the expansions. I might as well at least dab my toe in it. And I do find out that I suck at the game, but that's okay. I'm fine with that. I've That's okay. You're okay with that. I'm okay with that. You say I all am. the time. I know I'm okay with that. It's 
I'm learning how to play the guardian that I've always had and continue to. And I keep thinking, well, maybe I should start another character. And I think, why, 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 why even bother? How many characters do you have at level 80? One. Dude, I got like, I got three. Number one, you know, you have a level 80 boost somewhere probably that you can use and just jump it straight there. But then I've still got to go explore all the maps and get all the stuff that goes with it. Yeah. I just walk it, walk him through there. I, okay. I, I, I mean, what, what, what advantage do I have? Go buy the equipment, and then I have to still go find the hero spots and all that good stuff for them. Yeah, if you enjoy playing the game, you might want to try a different profession. That's all. Uh, I might want to get good at the one I've always been playing, too. It is so sad, but that's that's fine. It's, I'm okay with that. I'm oh good with gosh. that. Oh, my gosh. I'm okay. Leave me alone. I'm okay with ending this episode. Well, then let's keep rolling dice. <laughs> Taking names. And that wraps up another exciting episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. We hope you enjoyed listening to our discussions on board games and all things gaming. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dice and Names for updates on upcoming episodes, game reviews, and more. And if you want to connect with fellow gaming enthusiasts, be sure to join our Discord channel where you can share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage in lively discussions. And until next time, keep rolling those dice and taking those names. All right, Tony, I know we typically do puns. Let's see if ChatGPT can come up with a good pun for this outro. So why don't you give me a topic or something to ask it to write a pun around? It's usually the dad jokes, but a pun around. Oh, oh so I can, I, I, maybe you'll recognize dad jokes. So I can just put in to write a, a dad joke. There you go. Tell it to write a dad joke on birds. Write a dad joke on birds. It's thinking. All right, it's done. All right, here we go. Tony, why did the bird join a band? Because it was a rockin' robin. Because he wanted to feather his nest with some sweet tunes. That makes no sense. (laughs) Okay, I guess we'll stick with our own dad jokes.